0: Welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. My name is Michael and I am your host. And today's show was a lot of fun for me. I got to sit down and chat with Ben O'Brien. Uh, a lot of you will know who Ben is already. Uh, ben has worked with Meat Eater, with Yeti, and, and very other, various other facets of, of the hunting media uh, arena. But, uh, you know, for me... Ben is one of the most thoughtful voices in hunting media, and that's why I wanted to talk to him. You know, uh, hunting uh, comes with lots of nuanced and complicated issues. Uh, you know, hunting is a heavy thing. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions about it, but Ben always has a very thought-provoking take on some of these complicated issues. So that that's why I wanted to talk to him, and and I had a great conversation. We cover all kinds of things, from you know, family to how, how to best present yourself to the public as a hunter, you know, for the longevity and the heritage of, of this thing that we love to do. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, I certainly did. And before we get into that though, let's, uh, let's talk about some of our uh, opportunities for you to get involved in conservation in the state of Arizona. And the first of those up is one that's very near and dear to me and that is, the Arizona Wildlife Federation's 2023 Annual Camo at the Capitol event. This is coming up here on President's Day, February 20th at Wesley Bolin Memorial Plaza. That is the plaza right out in front of the Capitol. You cannot miss it. Uh, that's Capitol in Phoenix. Uh, let's see, the event's going to run from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. This is your opportunity to get down and shake hands with a lot of our conservation organization leaders, our legislators, decision makers, and to show our decision makers that we are united in our caring for wildlife, public lands, habitat, and access to all of it, that we, we, we are standing together in support of the North American model of wildlife conservation. So it's an important thing, and it's a lot of fun. This is going to be a virtual who's who of conservation organizations in Arizona. Everybody from Arizona Antelope to the Elk Society, to Desert Bighorn Sheep to Audubon. Um, So anyone who who understands the benefits of, of hunting and angling and how it works for our wildlife and our habitat. So come down, please say hello to me. Uh, as a bonus, you know, while supplies last, you might be able to get to taste some wild game offerings as well. I'm making Bobcat tamales. We're going to have Mule Deer Tacos. We're going to have Goose Reuben Sandwiches. So lots of stuff. No guarantee that stuff's going to hang around long, though. But uh, but you might get lucky and get to taste a few things as well. So come down say hello, please. Then up, let's see. We have the Outdoor Skills Network 2023 Winter R3 Partners Gathering. Now, this isn't generally like open to just public. Um, This is going to be for those who are involved in uh, a conservation uh, focused or outdoor focused nonprofit organization are there of the likes. So I'm not doing a great job of explaining this. So I'm going to send you to a link in our show notes where you can check it out and see if it is a right fit for you or your organization or if you know an organization that you think would be a good fit for that you could pass that along to. But I go twice a year. It's an all day event. And it's always a great time. I always learn a ton and I always meet a lot of wonderful people. So if that sounds like the right fit for you, please check it out. and I will see you there. Then finally, we have Wild in the City from the Arizona Elk Society. This is February 4th, 2023 from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And this is an event aimed at youth ages 5 to 16. Um, The idea is it gives them an easily accessible way to get foundational skills before getting out in the outdoors. So this is camping, hiking, fishing, hunting, however you want to spend your time outdoors. This event is going to help you get set up and prepared for it. So check that out at the link below if you have a little one who likes to play outside and most of them do. I definitely recommend checking this out. Alright with that I hope you enjoy the show with Ben O'Brien and I will see you after. Oh wait, all right, Ben O'Brien. Now we're recording. All right. Um, hey
1: man. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks, Ben. I uh, I'm jealous of your studio there. Uh as you can see, I'm I'm in my bathroom by the towel rack behind me. But I live in a a, a like an A frame. Everything's hard wood and big and open. Um yeah, and yeah. the bathroom is the only place that I don't get irritating echoes. So I need to at least hang a I don't know, hang a skull Listen, man, I, or something.
1: I, I admire your persistence <laughs> in the bathroom. That's I, you know, I'm in this comfortable thing that was built for this, but you're doing it the real way. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: it's it's a hard living. Ben. It looks nice. But it looks thanks. nice. Thanks. thanks. Yeah. Uh is that is that uh painting of the elk back there? Is that is that from rendezvous a couple of years ago or is that at least the same artist? It looks like it.
1: It is, yeah. That's a Ed Anderson. My buddy Ed Anderson did that nice. for me. Um, it's a giant. You can't really see how big it is, but it is uh, yeah. massive, and it's uh, and it's beautiful, man. He's one of the best artists. He, he's often at BHA Rendezvous. Ed yeah. is, and, um, when we were building the studio, I was like, man, I there's nothing more I want to have in here than a bunch of antlers and a painting of a big ass painting of an elk. So I'm um, I'm in my I'm in my element.
0: So is this your studio? belongs to you not doing it for anybody else now? Nope,
1: this is me no uh just me and and myself and a, and a bunch of people I, w- I love doing content with yeah so we launched our own company um man about a year ago i want to say um and really in earnest in last august decided to to make it um my primary source of income and entertainment where i spend most of my time awesome. so yeah, we we uh, for the first time in my life, I worked for a lot of really cool corporations, really cool places that sure. created media and and marketing and and content. But um, man, it's fun to be out doing it on my own.
0: Yeah, good for you, man! Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it feels good. It's a uh, it's a eighty percent terrifying, twenty <laughs> percent right really fun. But that twenty percent is is all I'll ever need, and and um you get to test out your ideas. Outstanding. Well
0: done. Well, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I love what I do. Um, it doesn't necessarily suit me all the time, you know, dressing up in a suit and going down to the Capitol. It's not my, not my natural habitat, so to speak, but, uh, I find it very important. Um, I have, a lot of freedom in my work. Uh, I have fantastic boss, fantastic coworkers. Um, you know, it's a nonprofit. I'm not going to get rich, uh, but they do value me, and the uh, you know, work is important. So, yeah, I really enjoy, it. and I get to do stuff like this. And you know, who can complain about that?
1: I know. I don't. I always say I really feel I, it feels great to be where I am. Um, but that's yeah. not uh, that's not a negative for what I've done to get to this point. I have worked yeah, for some course. wonderful people and been able to do some amazing things, um, over right, right. the last 15 years and in, in kind of the hunting space professionally. And so it's, um, I, I couldn't have gotten here without those experiences and those people and, and mm-hmm. deciding that it was time in my life where I could, um, pursue something like this and have my own media company and the responsibilities right. that go with that. And, um, the day-to-day grind, that goes with it too. I grew up with a dad that, uh, had his own business for forty over f- almost forty five years. Um, mm-hmm. and watched him go through that grind. Watched him work Saturdays. Watched him work on Christmas. Watched him do all these things. And um, I I have I have a very uh, succinct and concise view of what it looks like to have your own business and um to wear all the hats. So I'm I I really feel like it's uh it's gonna make me better at all things. and has thus far.
0: Awesome, man! I'm happy to hear that, and I feel largely the same way. You know, I've got, I've got buddies um, who are retired now, and they're retired young enough that they are just out there burning boot leather on the landscape, hunting and fishing all the time. And you know, while I get to go a lot more more than your average fella, um, I'm jealous of those guys. You know, they 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 had long careers where they worked very hard, and made a lot of good choices, and now they're reaping the the awards. I, on the other hand made several poor choices throughout my life. Um had a lot of fun, played and traveled and partied a lot, but you know and and I will be working into my elder years. With that said though, man, you know, here I am living in this beautiful place, beautiful family, children I adore. I hunt and fish all the time. I value my work. So, you know, how can you how can you regret anything?
1: Yeah, it's a different. I'm I'm in a similar situation. I'm not uh doing this to be wealthy. I was one of my co-hosts on one of our podcasts, Sam Lundgren, we do an elk podcast together. We were talking about this the other day. Um, we were driving. We went to an event in the capital city of Montana, Helena, called uh, Elk at the Capitol, and got to see the governor speak. And um, Yeah, I heard all about that. Yeah, we got to be in proximity to folks like you that do do it for a living. Um, I, and we were just kind of talking about how we're tangential to that. We like show up and watch and, and are really are very very like grateful to be a part of that as just citizens um mm-hmm. and to have platforms to be able to speak about it but we're also just we know how good we got it <laughs> we yeah. know we, we both have families that love us we both to get get to go and hunt and fish and essentially get paid to do it um and now we kind of get to make our own decisions about who we want to work with and and kind of the values that we want to chase and how we want to reflect ourselves in the public forum and all of that is, is important in um, being able to kind of navigate that on your own is, is the hard way, but it's, it's for, for me over the last six months, it's been nothing but reaffirming that it's the right way. Um, I certainly share your sentiments around it. I have an amazing family and uh, they're so damn supportive of what I do. And my kids are wild as hell and, want to be there whenever they can and um awesome i i i don't know that my legacy for them will be financial <laughs> i will be <laughs> something yeah i far greater boat, than that hope right right i think
0: a, a, i don't know good good solid appreciation for wildlife and wild places is a pretty good
1: legacy to live leave to your kids. yeah that's at least the foundation of it i'm not sure i'll leave them a uh a big ranch or anything like that. Right. Uh, well, maybe you, you keep never advocating know.
0: Advocating for public lands and you'll you'll leave them leave them alone. Yeah,
1: there. I'm gonna. That's that's really when I when I originally. Man, I'm coming up on my second term on um, BHA's North American Board, mm-hmm. so it's been six years. And that initial conversation I had with Lantani about it, he was like, "Why would you want to do something like this?" I was like, "Well, I I just had my son is six now." Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "I just had my first child and." and I want them to have this. That's it. Yeah. It's pretty much that yeah. simple. It's not political, it's not ideological. It's it's about them and I'm Right. this is my trust fund. This is my value trust fund for them to say that I did the work and I was a part of the movement and um I want I want them to know that I put that in for them.
0: Right. Yeah, man, you know, my my wife and I, my families are both back in Missouri and, and don't, don't misunderstand. I love the Ozarks. Mm. I love those clear cold streams, you know, and those deep wooded hollows and hills. But, you know, we have a tiny bit of public land back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm raising my kids out West. Well, let's, let's be completely clear. I'm, I'm selfish as well. I want all this for myself. Um, But I also want it for them, and I want them to have access to it because they don't have access to it back east. It's all locked up in leases now. When I was a kid, I could go knock on doors and get permission to hunt, and you just you can't do it anymore. And it's unfortunate, you know. I had a great childhood like that, but it just it's it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah,
1: I was just uh, somebody forwarded me a a quote from the great philosopher Matthew McConaughey. Uh, You may Uh, know him. (laughs) It's probably not the
0: same not being read in his voice
1: though (laughs) I know but he was talking about just in his own life selfish acts and selfless acts being this thing that we treat as separate like we can't Mm -hmm. act for ourselves and still have some element of that most of my selfless
0: selfless acts are a little selfish as well yeah so
1: he fully admitted. yeah he was positing like hey man I want to live in a space where I can do both at the same time and I just thought man I kind of run everything back through the hunting and conservation lens anyway, but run sure. that idea back through that. Like, yeah, selfish. There's a very selfish act uh, in hunting. It's a very personal thing. It's a very, it's something mm-hmm. that is uh, incredibly, incredibly personal. But at the same time, you're you're doing that within a system that you know that is forwarding this for the next generation. It is right. a, intellectually, you know. Um, that our model of conservation, our system of wildlife funding is working and you're a part of it. Um, so I, hearing that from him, I'm like, man, this, that's really, I think, a, a, something that hunters could understand for themselves, um, that it can be deeply personally satisfying to go play the mm-hmm. game of, of chasing a wild creature and then getting it, killing it, eating it. That could be for you. That's okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. luckily for you, at the same time where it is a selfish act, there is a system that allows that to be selfless in what you contribute right. outside of those moments.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a similar quote from Ed Abbey. Uh, I mean, it's a long, there's no way I could recite it, but basically it advocates for being a selfish advocate.
1: Yeah. Um, he, yep. he says
0: it's not enough to get down there, you know, and lobby for this or that, but you have to, you have to be out there, you have to be enjoying it, and make time for that.
1: Yeah. I once paid. Uh, I once paid David Hasselhoff on Cameo to read that quote to fill the engineer immediately oh nice I uh, must have missed that so episode. somewhere somewhere uh, in my phone is a video of David hasselhoff uh talking about you know don't be a half-hearted <laughs> don't be a half-hearted user or whatever Ed, uh, the Ed Abbey, It's one of my favorite Ed Abbey quotes, and when I was trying to convince yeah when I was trying to convince Phil the engineer to go hunting, that was one of the tactics I used that's fantastic oh you know, to read that quote. To fill the engineer at Meat Eater. Oh, it's wonderful! Yeah. Uh, so somewhere, that. somewhere uh, in my phone is a video of David Hasselhoff uh, talking about you know don't be a hearted <laughs> don't be a hearted user or whatever. Ed, uh, the Ed Abbey. It's one of my favorite Ed Abbey quotes. And when I was trying to convince, yeah, when I was trying to convince Phil the engineer to go hunting, that was one of the tactics I used. That's awesome.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, eventually, I imagine most folks are going to know who you are, but I'm sure a few won't. Um, so I want to get around to an introduction, but I'll, but I'll warm you up first uh, and pay you a compliment. Uh, you're here today because I like the way you talk about hunting, um, not only in content but in style as well. And I'll give you an example of that. I recently listened to your your podcast with Matt Ranella, and I'm not going to lie. I'll be frank. Um, I, I feel like on most of the shows I've listened to him on, I've found him, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, a little selfish and a little short-sighted. That doesn't mean that I disagreed with him on everything, but just the focus he had, which what I would call narrow. Um, but the conversation you had with him, you, you, you managed to challenge him on certain points in a way that was very non-threatening. Um, and caused him to open up and explain himself, which was was very refreshing in my opinion. and it was the best show I've listened to with him on it. so good good job on that one but but yeah, that's just an example. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you. yeah, that was definitely it brought it brought a lot of uh, there was a lot of a uh, commentary around that episode for sure, but um I'm sure there was. Yeah. I enjoyed being with the guy he's he's he is um, if anything essential to our conversation right now.
0: Yeah. I I don't dislike Matt at all. I think he's, yeah, he's interesting and he's not wrong about all of it. Um, I just think the picture is a little bigger than he does. But, um, anyway, an example, I like the way you talk about hunting. I think it's thoughtful, um, without being apologetic. Uh, and I I think that's the the right way forward. But, um, so with that, you know, I, I'm primarily talking to folks here in Arizona. Um, and you know, while a lot of them are going to know exactly who you are, for those that don't, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, I'll give you the short version so it doesn't get too long, but I tell everybody that calls me on the phone, I'm like, hey, man, I'm a podcaster, so this phone call could, is going to last an hour, and there's nothing you can do about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, certainly um, my uh, professional training is in journalism. I uh, was came out of college wanting to be a writer and a journalist and, and did so for some time in sports, and then luckily enough for me, stumbled into hunting um, and has spent the last – nearly 14 years, um, in the hunting space in various, in various capacities, um, editor, um, content creator, marketing guy, uh, for brands like Yeti and, and meat eater and, uh, Peterson's hunting guns and ammo, uh, American hunter, national rifle association, all those things. Um, but if I was to encapsulate all that, I mean, I really, I, I, was most as a kid and even now like really enthralled with the idea of objective journalism and real conversation and kind of pushing the boundaries of, of what, of your own beliefs and things like that. So certainly that's how I am. It's got me in a lot of trouble over the years, but it's also gotten me into a a bunch of wonderful conversations, um, a bunch of self-realization, a bunch of like really good, um, work on my own views and and hopefully folks have learned from some of that uh when we're talking in microphones um but that's that's really been the thrust of of what i like to do is is see um see things as they are you know try to challenge dogma and orthodoxy and and at some levels power structure if if i can as a journalist um i haven't always been able to to you know, maintain that journalistic ethic in my career, but it's something now that I have my own media that I'm really, I really want to break, break down some of those barriers, um, and kick, kick out kind of self-censorship and, and, and get down to kind of the important issues with what we do. So, yeah. Um, like I said, came out of meat eater, hosted a podcast called the hunting collective, which you can still listen to over there at meat eater, uh, and started my own media company called Woodside media. We have our own podcast, uh, called woodside and then a bunch of other podcasts coming a bunch of video products coming around elk hunting and turkey hunting um so i'll say all that to say i all i think about is hunting <laughs> that's really what i care about what's what i love people have tried to introduce me to fishing just didn't take uh man they really want me to be a fisherman out here and i'm just like man i'm trying I've, i went fly fishing like at least a dozen times this year and i caught some fish and i did the thing and it just really? doesn't just doesn't oh, do it for me, man. I, um, I dearly, dearly love it. I know. So many I mean, people around me do. I was just sitting in this room with three <sighs> other guys, and all they wanted to talk about was fishing, and all they wanted to talk about.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's 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 just like hunting, though. I mean, my little boy explains it, how it's better than hunting. Because when you shoot something, you just shoot it and it's done. You don't have to fight it. And with a fish, you get to fight it. But yeah, man, I mean, you are like, oh, God, I want to go to Argentina and catch Golden Dorado, you know, in jungle streams and stuff on a fly rod.
1: Well, I'll tell you... I, I tell you, I look at it this way because I've, I've had this the other way around. Uh, there's a photographer named Renan Ozturk who um, has a company called Camp 4 Collective and has done a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, incredible climbing films with Jimmy Chin and Conrad Anker. I mean, he's kind of at the precipice, lack of a better term, of the climbing world, and he does stuff for National Geographic, and, I mean, he is the climber's climber. Yeah. Um, we went hunting together in Nepal, and... I was asking him these questions. I was like, "Man, you know, this is your first one of your first hunting experiences. Are you now not looking at those peaks above us and looking at these sheep or will it, like is this changing your perspective on on like a passion that you might add to your repertoire?" And he's like, "No, man. It didn't. I found what I love." Yeah. Uh, this is cool. I'm not saying it's not cool, but I found yeah, what I love. I get it. And yeah. when you know, when you're obsessing over those sheep over there and how big their horns are, I'm looking at the peak above them to see in what route I would take. Um, so that's how I feel about hunting. It's like, I, am not saying fishing is no good. I'm just saying I've found the thing that I can't quit. Dude, I get it. Uh, so nothing compares to it.
0: Yeah. I was with my wife yesterday, snowboarding. She was skiing. I was snowboarding and she convinced me to go. Um, and yeah, I already, I have enough hobbies already, man. I don't, I don't have enough time to invest in them or at least the time I want to invest in them. Um, and we were, we were on the ski lift and, uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about this new four weight flyer out. I want to (laughs) buy And you know, I talked to her about it, and, yeah, she got mad at me. But um, it, we had a great day, though, believe it or not. Um, and I spent, like, over a decade on a skateboard as, as a kid. And I think it transferred over because day one I had a blast. And yeah, I need something to – living up here in the mountains with all the snow, I need something to do when I'm not able to hunt and fish, uh, something to keep me moving because I'm not getting any younger, you know. So I might keep doing it because yep. it was fun. Um, but yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna take place of, of hunting or angling. You know that is that's all I think yeah. about. Chasing crit- critters in general.
1: Yeah, I think when you get to that point in your life, uh, where you know the, your your loves and passions are kind of fully mm-hmm. developed, at least for that moment, right? You know, in your life, it's hard. It's hard for me, but I have two young boys, and and the last thing I want to do is pigeonhole them right. in my passion. Um, and so I have very, like, it's been good to allow me to do things like skiing and fly fishing, um, to get into, you know, skating and hockey and do things with them that shows them like, Hey man, I'm, this is my passion, but that's nowhere near the only thing out there that you can fall in love with and that you'll feel drawn to for reasons that you don't even understand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, uh, my little boy is, uh, 10. My little girl is seven. Um, and I'm fortunate because my little boy has got a hefty dose of, of prey drive. Um, he, he likes to chase critters. Um, but, you know, he also likes to snowboard. So that's something I can do with him in the wintertime. Uh, and, I don't know, the little girl I might work a little harder on, um, I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say that. The only requirements I have for my kids is that they have an appreciation for wildlife and public lands and natural systems, um, and I think I'm already there. So I think I already won that battle. But who knows what they're going to end up doing? But little boy, he does enjoy you know, hooking bullet sports, if you want to call him that. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's a good thing. My first rule for my kids is love your mother. That's the one thing that I do not uh, allow them to. <laughs> I do not allow yeah. them to forget. But they do. They. I mean, in their in their in my older boy's room, and um, he's got a. You know, I made the the rules for being an O'Brien boy and, and the first one is love your mother. The second one is find your passion and share it with the world. Um that's Im- important to me. The third one is, you know, be yourself. Um and I forget the fourth one. My god, my own rules, I forget them. But uh <laughs> they're there on the wall and um now they can recite them, man, and I Right. Like it, it, to me it gives them something to work from, a foundation to work from. And hopefully they're going to see how much all those things you just mentioned wildlife and ecosystems and and you know the search for kind of like some objective truth and um you know not getting swept up in mm-hmm. you know social movements that tell you how to think and those things like those foundations uh, will allow them to move through the world in a way where they'll they'll like authentically find the thing that's going to drive their life um and I didn't really find hunting right. in the way that I see it now until I was mm-hmm. in my early 20s. Um, I was always hunting, but I, I didn't find it you know, right. kind of as a pillar to my life until, until later in my, my years. So you hope that you can build something for them to, to work off of, and, then the, and they're going to go their direction after that.
0: Yeah, I, I really love that idea, um, and I feel like a bit of a slacker as a father that I haven't organized my thoughts like that. <laughs> well, I, I forgot like
1: I, one of mine, so
0: <laughs> Good. I feel like I, I push for, it for the, I push for the same things. And, you know, like for instance, uh, you know, my my wife, she, she's you know my, my best friend and partner, and if anybody ever cops attitude, you know, I'm I'm her first defender. You know, you, you don't backtalk your mom. So I think I, I do push for those things. I just haven't done it as organized, but I like it. I might steal it from you.
1: Yeah, I think a respect for respect for your mom is is uh is paramount in my life. So they know like we've we've pretty much established that like I only have to just look at them at at this point. Yeah, and they run toward the timeout zone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just gotta go. Did you just do it? Yeah. Oh, now. Uh, so it it saves you some time having to yell at them once you've established it in writing. Right.
0: And I'm not—I'm not what you would call a scary dad, you know. I mean, my kids get—you know—dozens of hugs and kisses every single day, but I try to rule with that iron fist. I try to be a little bit of a scary dad, just because I think it's part of my job. But Hmm. and you know, here I'll I'll put it this way, Um, and oh gosh, I I hope I don't upset anyone by saying this. for the last decade we we've lived in the most progressive area uh in Arizona most progressive neighborhood the most progressive town and now we are in a very rural somewhat right leaning uh like you'd call it a neighborhood um community um and as far as like politics go this is not this is anything i say here does not point in a direction of my own personal politics or leanings but i will say although You know, lifelong friends, almost like family that we have down in that progressive neighborhood, you know, people that are very near and dear to us. The kids in that neighborhood, man, they're tough, Uh, you know, but they also they have parents that if they misbehave or interrupt. You know, everything will stop because they deserve to express themselves, no matter who they're interrupting type of type of parenting. There's always a reason. Oh, she's going through this or oh, he's going through that. Those kids are rough. These kids up here, man, they behave. I mean, they're respectful. Yeah. So, I uh, I'm, I'm trying to find a nice middle ground, uh, which I, I think I am. You know, like I said, I do try to rule with an iron fist. I got very good children. I'm very proud of them.
1: Yeah, me too. But man.
0: Uh, it's been an interesting finding, just moving and living in different places with different kinds of people. Um, and that's not to say one side's better than the other or these folks are better than those folks. I, I find good in in all yeah. sides of thinking. But uh, but yeah, definitely a difference in behavior as far as children go.
1: You'd like to think that everybody's just trying to figure it out, you know? That's why I, I try to start with No, they, are. With they the, absolutely are. Like, start with that. But I do, I will say that I know my, like, I know my position. Um, I'll tell you this story. It's not, not all the way in context, but I was getting a new phone the other day. I was in the Verizon store with this this guy. He's 21 years old. And, and he uh, was, was a, like a gamer, we started talking about his generation. You're 21. You know what's this look like? Um, he had many of the tendencies I think that you're describing. Uh, I think he grew up um, in a place in California where um, his emotions were were paramount, and and um, how he felt, he externalized many of the issues in his life rather sure. than internalizing mm-hmm. um, and solving them himself. And so just the way talking to a 21-year-old and listening to him talk about virtual reality and kind of some of solu- the solutions technology would have for him and his life and his generation, I realized, oh, well, um, I'm already – I'm barreling towards being an old man in a rocking chair right now. Um, and I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Um But I do, I do see – even with my own kids, I'm always trying um, to make things harder for them if I can – Not in the sense of their lives are going to be hard, but in the sense of like making them work through things, rather than just letting them off the hook for something they did wrong. Like making them work through the problem, why they got to where they were. Um, We do a lot of like (laughs) conceptual learning. Like, hey, um, you know you did that thing you didn't think. Well, you hit your brother and you weren't thinking about it. But what if you what if you put his eye out? You can never take that back. Right. think about it that way, um, and then we talk the other thing we talk about as a family and, and with my boys is is um, I tell my six-year-old every day when he goes to kindergarten, I tell him, "Be a leader." And it, nowadays, he just repeats it before I even say it. he goes, "I'm okay, be a leader." <laughs> and, but awesome. I, I hope I hope that that helps like those two things put together helps him kind of think internally that he's the solution to the problem. Like, whatever yeah. the problem is, he's the solution to it. And whatever his problem is, he's the solution to it. Because um, you see a lot of those folks that are in maybe more liberal or progressive mindsets that externalize all their problems and look to point the finger at a system or a race of people or an identity of, of folks or somebody on the TV. You see that on all, on all kind of spectrums of politics, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, I see that with the rural folks out here oh, too. Oh yeah, man. You know, oh, everything's yeah. always somebody else's fault. Or yes. city slickers' fault. They call they call them city slickers around here. Yeah, it's man. Like we came away 10, ten miles down the road. I
1: came away with that, um, kind of stumbled on not I didn't stumble on the idea, but I stumbled on it being useful. This idea of causation, correlation and causation when I was speaking with Matt Ranella. And we talked about it on that podcast about how uh he was great at correlation, but but utterly a failure at causation. Like, really, yeah, yeah. really very poor um, because he has a, a set narrative in his mind and it, it, it causes mm-hmm. him to be narrow. So when I sat down and I started to see that stuff come out, my whole mission was to try to break that down for him and be like, okay, I, I'm not going to convince you you're wrong, but I want you to at least try to to, to be more causal in your thinking going forward. Right um and and try to work a little bit on the edges of your narrative uh he's the type of person that's not going to like be so introspective but it's just work a little bit on the edges of your narrative you hate this thing you don't like this like maybe maybe go to the edges the fringes and see what you find out there in the gray area <laughs> see where you might be sure. wrong um and i think in that particular conversation he did back off a few things that made me feel like he was he was doing that so yeah
0: i thought so too i very well i noticed that and you know, I'm also aware that we all have that, oh, that yeah. stuff. You know, no matter how hard you try not to, we all have our own narratives. We all have our own ideologies, um, and it's tough. And I, I find I do get better at it as I get older, but you know, I'll, I'll never master it and be a, you know, complete. Yeah. Completely critical of myself and my own ideas, I guess.
1: Yeah. Nobody wants to be disliked. <laughs> Everybody, like the the way that that mostly manifests is manifests in my life, were just kind of social. Uh, contagion and, like, shared ideas and feeling like you want to mm-hmm. be accepted into a group and liked uh, for your ideas. And then once you feel how awesome it is to be a part of a group and just you you start to self-censor, you start to not say things that you really believe. If something bothers you, you just like, ah, nah. you no. Know, it's better not to say anything because yeah. then people get mad. Um, but being disagreeable is is an important part of, you know, just, like, squaring your intellectual pursuits and knowing, sure. like, sometimes you got to yeah. go, wait, wait, guys, I know we all agree that hunting is awesome, but, like, what about this part? <laughs> Have right. we thought about this? Because yeah. um, if if I'm going to love hunting, I, I'm i also going to criticize it heavily and make it better, and that's part of the, my love affair with the damn thing.
0: Right. So So then, how do you... You know, and this is part of that introspective search, you know, trying to figure out how to approach and how to think about things. You know, I have all kinds of opinions about hunting, all kinds, you know, what's good, what's bad, how to do it, how to do it right, how to do it wrong. But my opinions are not everybody's opinions. Um, And I'll give one example that I'm sure will make some people mad at me, but, and this is just my personal opinion, not the opinion of any of the organizations I volunteer for or work for, but... Uh, we lost hunting coyote hunting contest here in Arizona quite a while back. Um, honestly, man, I thought coyote hunting contests and the imagery that comes with them overall was bad for hunting. It made people look at hunting through an ugly lens. Now I also realized that coyote hunting contest could be looked at through a different scope and be called things like, you know, specific predator control programs for things like when you reintroduction some new snoring antelope to a new area i see the purpose i'm not against that but the name contest the piles of dead coyotes and photos saw that as bad for hunting um so in my mind though when these things come up it's like there is a real thing uh, that's a slippery slope but where do you where do you draw that line it's like, yeah, th- this really does suck for honey. We should probably stop this. But if I say, okay, let's stop this, then th- what's the next thing going to be? Yeah, It's, it, it's hard to suss that out.
1: The way I look at it, man, because I've been through that kind of torturous, like I really want to take a hard line on this, but I know if I do, I'll probably be wrong in some ways. Because um, yeah. we live in, uh, first I'll say we live in a world of, of half-truth. A lot of people mm-hmm. like to tell you half the truth, the half that they that they like the worldview that they have. Right. They're going to tell you half of the truth. And that's going to sound really good because it is true, right? It's it's what they're saying is true, but they're intentionally leaving off the entire picture. Oh, uh, yeah. This, right. There are so many culture warrior half-truth artists out there that, that uh, traffic in this, and that all they need you to do is buy into a series of... Um, uh, ideas that seem logical that's it then they got you mm-hmm. then they then they capitalize however whatever they need to do so i i like knowing that what you said there is kind of the the, the picture of coyote contest it's complicated um yeah. there's so many levels to it so what i came to after a lot of like stepping stepping on my own toes and, and saying things i wanted to take back and and wondering if every opinion I had had to be right all the time. I came to, all I'm doing is turning on a mic and exploring these ideas. And I am allowed right. to do that. That's my right to explore these ideas. I want to find people that can push me in ways that I don't already, um, haven't already been pushed. And, and I wanted them to be skeptical of me. I want to be skeptical of them in a very like positive way. Um, yeah. And reserve the right to change your mind 100%. and narrative with
0: more information. Not
1: only reserve the right to, expect to. Because, my yeah. gosh, if you've yeah. lived at all in your life, you know that you look at yourself 10 years ago, you don't go, that guy was right. You, oh, nobody God, that does that. Embarrassing. <laughs> and yeah. if you do that, you're kind of an you know, you, you got you got problems. You, you look at yourself 10 <laughs> years ago and you go, that guy knew nothing. You know, that's uh-huh. what you do. Yeah. And so that's all that I, that's kind of the way that I like to, Think about these ideas, um, and that's not a cop out either. I, I can get into the spe- the specificity and draw a hard line when it when that's needed, but that's it's a part of an exploration of this idea, and also just saying like, look, look, there's going to be some regional things about coyote contests that are more important in some areas than aren't in others, um, and, and I will say that that predators are the like the battleground right now in the greater society. Oh, right? yeah. In greater society, yeah. they're, they're, that's where the conversation is going to happen where we disagree, right? It's, it right. is it. If I'm like, hey, I'm going to eat that deer, most people are like, great. Cool. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, steak? Burger? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. If you say, hey, I'm going to shoot that mountain lion, <laughs> the bulk of people are going to go, yeah. uh, bun- what? Bun fly as well. Yeah. So right. we just have to identify that as like a crucial battleground Where we can do some real good, but as hunters, you have to be willing. No matter what somebody might call you, I've been called anti all kinds of things. Um, I've been called anti opposite things (laughs) sometimes. Um, Like you have to be willing to explore those ideas, at the danger of of what we talked about earlier, at the danger of some kind of like social backlash. Somebody that mm-hmm. really loves your, uh, in my case, might like might love my show, but then they're, I'm gonna piss them off, and they may not listen again. Like so, that's that's just not. Yeah.
0: Well, you got to be enjoying the freedom of working for yourself, though, and yeah, having yeah. all those constraints off. And fortunately for myself, I work for an organization that genuinely reflects my own ideologies very well. It's very nonpartisan. Yeah. Very, you know, it's not always a comfortable place to be to walk that line between green and brown or new guard or old guard, but, uh, that's what we do. And when we do a good job of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you get in that, it, it's so cool to be in those situations where you, and I've been there too, you know, professionally a ton. Um, but I've never been good with like the, ge- the general idea of authority. If you can't tell, uh, I, I'm not sure. great. At, and I'm not great at being told not to explore something or being told to kind of, to, um, maybe, maybe, uh, avoid a subject cuz it could be controversial. I'm just not good at that. I don't it's just not how I function. Um so it's you know to be to be able to just kind of to to have those conversations um to be willing to to do it um at my own peril if that's it. Um that's fine. I I'm I'm willing to take the slings and arrows if it means learning and if it means kind of questioning the right things and I'm just just willing to do it um if sometimes it's uncomfortable. That's awesome,
0: man. Hey, speaking of predator hunting, we have our uh, camo at the Capitol event coming up the 20th of this month, or next month, uh, on President's Day, and uh, it's it's uh, basically kind of a who's who of Arizona conservation organizations, you know, just about everybody's going to be there, and it's a lot of fun, We we, some of us uh, want to go the extra mile, we'll cook up some wild game dishes to feed the legislators, and, and I'm uh, last year we did have Lion uh, from Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. We had Black Bear from Josh Kushner, uh, the Dalton Hunter, and uh, this year I'm doing Bobcat Tamales. So, oh yeah, I, uh, you know, in, in my family, as far as myself and my kids are concerned, we, like I've never shot a coyote because I don't want to eat a coyote. I have dear friends that shoot coyotes all the time, and that's that's fine. I, I know that the value in eating something is, is something that just lives in a space in my head and a dead animal is a dead animal and they don't care at that point. Uh, but for me that that's how we do it. And regarding the predator bands and predator hunting, I I think, you know, if you, you can get that message across, Hey, these are food too. It's not just a trophy hunt. Um, it's good. Uh, and you know, feeding it to the legislature, you know, when those, those pushes for bans do come across the legislature, I can be like, Hey man, you guys ate this. You know how good it is, hmm. you know, and you know that it's not just a trophy hunt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm getting ready to go on my first mountain lion hunt here in a couple of weeks and uh and, oh, um, congratulations. I'd love to. Yeah, it's gonna be I mean I'm living in Montana. I can get a tag for almost no no money and I know all kinds of people that go. Yeah, but it's it's the yeah. dogs. It's the, the dogs and the people with the dogs
0: that get cost them money.
1: That's it. So I've got plenty of friends that have invited me for years and this year I'm gonna make it happen and, and for me, it's an exploration of of the culinary side of of killing a mountain lion. That's just what it is for me. It yep. Doesn't have to be that for everyone. They're delicious, man. I know they're delicious. I've, everybody that ever kills one feet has brought it to my house or feed, feeds feeds me. So I've eaten them every year, probably for the last decade. I would think. Right. Um, whether it's a backyard cookout or a chef at some lodge or something, I've 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 tasted it in lots of different ways. Yeah, but I'm 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 definitely gonna think a lot about. You know the conservation end, the quotas, how it works, mm-hmm. how the data is collected on each cat. You know, kind of tradition of houndsmen, right. the food, the whole thing, man. There's, there's not just one way to to value it, to think about it, to kind of pursue it, man. I'm gonna, yeah. I can't wait to get my ass kicked on the mountain and be like waist deep snow, crawling up some ridge trying to get to a tree where there's a giant a cat <laughs> waiting to maybe jump on uh-huh. me. Um, All that, man, all that to me is just a, it's like each one of those things is a part of the allure. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm excited for you. I don't know why I would do it if you eliminated any one of them. You know, if Mm -hmm. you said you can't eat it, I definitely would be less interested. If you said, you know, we're not going to look at the data, we're not going to do any testing on the animal, we don't really care, we're not going to track it, we're just going to shoot it and you do whatever you want with it. That would be less. Yeah. Your home state of Texas still has some pretty archaic laws on the books around. The line hunting and trapping. Yeah, we did a lot. We did some stuff on the, on Woodside about that. Um and it, they like they got a lot of work to do, you know. So I just like to me the best thing I can do is try to present both sides of of what's happening there and what's happening across the country and and let people mm-hmm. hear um all of it. And there's a lot of people working really hard on the legislative side that I I would support yeah. every single day. Yeah. The guys at org. so I've known the uh, I've had a lot of friends at Sportsman's Alliance for a lot of years, uh, Safari Club International. I mean, there's a a litany of organizations fighting um, BHA uh, that I've been a part of for a long time. So, like, I, I feel well represented there. I guess what I'll say, and I feel like yeah. there are people that are representing my beliefs and interests really damn well out there in the world. That's great.
0: Yeah, man. As long as you know, I, I real, you know, when I shot that bobcat this year, I'm not gonna lie. I walked up to it. It felt different than whenever I shot. You know, a few quail earlier that day, mm-hmm. you know, and when I looked at it and picked it up. It looked just like my cat here at home. Um, so it does feel different. But, you know, the, the logical part of my brain, as long as these man, animals are managed for healthy populations, predators are doing fantastic on the landscape right now. You know, there's, yeah, I, well, I should say I don't have data to support this, but as I understand it, there's more bears on the landscape than there was 100 years ago. Um, and it's probably the favorite meat in my family. Uh, and I really hope to, to bring one home this year
1: yeah me but. too. my family loves loves bear we're I'm, I'm pretty sure we're fixing to love mountain lion. Yeah. Um, oh. It's a huge part of what we do. I will say you know I, th- I think about this a lot. I'm definitely thinking about it is because I'm gonna create as much content around mountain lions here in the next couple of weeks as I can, but I've been thinking about you know how we talk about uh predators, you know mm-hmm. as a hunter. what do you think you need to say or or what what you've been told to say? Um it, it has there's a uh, a former NFL player named Derek Wolf, uh, who recently shot a mountain lion in Colorado and he did it he posted the the mountain lion grip and grin. If folks don't know, you kinda like hold it up near this this diaphragm or yeah. sternum and you kind of stretch the cat out and you hold it as if you're hugging it from behind. Yeah, it kinda of displays how big it is compared to you, yeah. Yep, and that's that's the idea. The idea is is there's no antlers to show, but there's this is the idea of the length of the cat, the size of the cat is kind of what makes it um, impressive and notable, and um, you know somebody like Derek. I don't know Derek at all. I just kind of followed this from afar. Uh, he's he's got people that like him for being a football player. Uh, that they don't mm-hmm. they're kind of shocked when they saw this guy gripping uh, a giant mountain. It was a big old tom. Um, he went on Fox News and defended himself to Tucker Carlson and was talking about conservation. Um, this particular cat
0: was 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 tucker against what he had done no 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 yeah
1: he was tucker was i was gonna say hard to find i would have trouble seeing that (laughs) no no nope tucker uh tucker was was cheering him on but he was defending himself against a lot of uh backlash on the internet he was able to he was talking about conservation talking about management of mountain lions this particular mountain lion was terrorizing some local pets and and causing the trouble and a friend asked if he would come help dispatch it uh so as I was thinking about that story, I thought, well, okay, here's where m- me, when I go on my mountain lion hunt, I want to kind of unpack some of this now because we do – hunting is, is essentially, in this case, take the personal motivation out of it for a minute. Take your, take your motivation, your style, your – like everything that you believe hunting is, remove that for one sec, and then think about it as a management tool, as a, as a tool for state wildlife agencies to get the, the proper predator-prey balance, the proper cohabitation. Think of it and talk about it as a tool first, and that's what Derek was doing, talking about it as a tool. But really try to find a way to clearly separate, and this is where people that don't agree with hunting tend to like to muddy the water, clearly separate, hunting as a management tool, and why you go. Because guaranteed, Derek Wolf did not go, like there's other reasons he went over there and chased that cat other than getting that, you know, like human-wildlife conflict taken care of. Uh, That was a part of it for him, but it wasn't the whole thing. So I I didn't watch enough of what he said to to have an opinion on whether he did that, but I know that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to talk about wildlife-human conflict. He was talking about Mountain lions and mountain lion uh, cohabitation, and hit the state of Colorado. He was he was bringing that up as a part of his um, telling a story of what he was up to. So, me personally, having watched that, I I know I have to do a really clear and concise job of breaking that down from my my personal level, like what I think about it. Um, and so that's my goal for, for, for that little piece of content.
0: See, I in in my opinion, I don't think the management tool argument works. For non-hunters because I don't think that they, they, I don't think that they believe there needs to be management. Um, and you know, I, I don't think it's uh, personally, I don't think it's crystal clear one way or the other either. I do very much believe that we don't have, unfortunately, very unfortunately, large sprawling ecosystems that are, are the same function functioning the way they used to. I, I think you know, with our fragmented habitats, even out here in the West, there has we have to play an active role in management if we want to maintain some kind of pre European or healthy context in, in our forests and ecosystems. Um
1: I didn't didn't get to spit all that out very elegantly, but I, <laughs> I, I got you, you point, got me on yeah. uh habitat fragmentation. Yeah. That was what I was gonna bring up. So um
0: and and I want to be crystal clear. I am a died-in-the-wool hunter. It's what I go to bed thinking about. It's typically what I wake up thinking about. I want predators on a landscape. I want Mexican wolves. Hell, if I could have grizzlies on the mountain behind my house right now, still they used to be there, I'd have them there. You know, I love predators, and I want to. I want to hunt in fully functioning, healthy ecosystems. I, I don't, you know, if I would, I'd go to a ranch if I didn't want that. So I, I want them there, uh, but also I don't see the difference. And as far as managing, as long as there are healthy, sustainable populations out there, they should be able to be utilized as a resource, just like DRL. There is no difference in my mind, and it only comes down to feelings at that point.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I just go back to this, like, really important concepts. One of them is what is, you know, conservation, part of the mechanism of conservation is the sustainable use of a natural resource. That's, that's part of the mechanism of mm-hmm. real, tangible conservation.
0: And if I can interject right there, I think that that is extremely important because people need that tangible connection to nature in order to care about it. There's there's some folks out there that care about it being there just to have it there. They don't even have to touch it, Sure, but they are very few and far between. There's a lot of sporting people out there that their only connection and the only thing they care about is the fact that they get to go out there and harvest a deer every year, but yet they're they're still passing that value on to their kids and their grandkids. And that's an army of people to stand up for wild places.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost always my argument. And I I start to think about people that, as you said, that don't hunt, that don't understand, you know, the broad concepts of wildlife and wildlife management in this country and just see it through a popular lens, right? They see it through whatever, um, you know, whatever small snippets that they see, right? They, they, and and mostly, what they see are the negative ones. You know, I was on CNN.com the other day, and there was Josh Bomar and Sarah Bomar on there for, you know, celebrity hunters are poachers. Um, they're gonna see the young lady that up here in um, Montana that shot the husky and thought it was a wolf. Yeah. They're gonna see they're gonna like be introduced to snippets like that, and that's gonna be the context in which they approach the subject. So I think, like, okay, given that idea, what do I do? What do I say to them? What do I when I try to talk them through these concepts, how do I approach it? And some of those some of those broad concepts are have lasted through time for a reason. So you know the most good for the most people for the most amount of time. Like that is a very important concept around conservation. Um, you could start by saying that to someone and then you could explain the last one hundred and twenty years of wildlife conservation in this country. If you know even a part of the history, and compel just about anybody to be like, well, that's cool. I want to learn more about that. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of ways to get people, not to de- not to like <clears throat> defray the con- the real conversation about predator management that has to happen, but to say like, let's let's go back for a minute and and let me explain to you the, how I approach this intellectually. You know, and all the systems that I think really work and it, the evidence I have that they work, and at least. That's a start, man. And then, yeah. and then come back to me after you've, you've kind of done some exploration there, and then we can start talking about mountain lions and predators and overall ecosystem health um, mm-hmm. in a real way without just kind of, like you said, functioning on an emotion one way you know, or the other. Um, right. And also admitting, like, listen, man, everybody, everybody has individual motivations for hunting. Um, you can't generalize them. And, and the people that generalize them definitely are out to, um, out to see hunting end or see it at least see it in the in the popular sense, uh, predator hunting end for sure. Um, so just knowing that that's out there, man, that's that's a constant challenge and that's never gonna go away.
0: Yeah, you know, and th- that 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 type of thinking is exactly you know what why I wanted you on, um, but. If it, you know, given a captive audience, no matter how anti-hunting they are, you know, if you explain what you do, why you do it, why it's good for wildlife in a thoughtful way, you're going to reach a few of them. Mm. But you don't. Um, and I think I, I, I mentioned to you years back uh, on, on one, one of your platforms, I think it's when you are with Meat Eater, about the whole Arizona hunting forum. If you posted a picture of a live, healthy, beautiful coyote on there, you would get a just endless thread of smoke pack a day and you know shoot shovel shut up those kind of comments. So in my in my you know drive um, my life's ambition to draw a bridge between you know, and I hate saying green and brown because I live in a world of hazel, but those those environmental groups versus conservation groups again hmm. I don't like that division there. But I want to build a bridge between those two groups because I've lived in both those camps. Hmm. I, I know how they think. I, I know how hunters think. But, man, it's tough, you know, when you have a, a, just a, a mountain of no better way to put it than shitheads saying dumb things. Um, and that is the impression that these other folks, these other folks that very much care about wildlife and wild places, that's the impression they're getting of hunters. I mean, that's no good for us because we, we're the minority, yeah. you know? Yeah,
1: that's another thing that through some recent conversations and really, like, being allowing myself to look down those rabbit holes... And and I used to think, like, man, I'm just going to be positive and I'm going to run through the world and I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my um, – there's going to be somebody that's going to talk about this in a negative fashion for sure and going to mm-hmm. find fault with it and do all those things. Um, I have I've found, like, traveling down the, the road with Matt Ranella and hearing all of his – he basically – Matt Rinella, um, for folks that don't truly know what he's all about, pretty much everything he's about um, – conflicts with what I'm about. <laughs> there, There is almost no uh, corner of my professional life that he doesn't vehemently disagree with, uh, whether it's hunting media, promoting hunting. Uh, I have a mentorship nonprofit. He doesn't like that. Um, pretty much everything that I do on a daily basis is against everything that he believes, at least currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going down that road with him, one, Makes me better because I get to hear those things openly, hear them, and be like, "Oh, okay," um, and hopefully helps other people realize there's no community you're going to be a part of where you agree with everybody. Like there's gonna there's shitheads in every profession, and every passion. You know, there's a lot of campers mm-hmm. that litter. Uh, they're they're
0: the loudest. Yeah,
1: there's there's a lot of people that just don't know how to camp, uh, and just in general, <laughs> but like. So to me, I acknowledge that. I'm not going to ignore it. Um, in fact, I'm going to like walk over there and see what's going on and explore it yeah. and see how I can I can learn from from that and and become a, like a better be able to better articulate myself um, and why I believe it to be positive. And I've, I have not, in all those talking to vegans and talking to people that hate what I do on a philosophical, ideological level. I've never come away from one of those conversations, not feeling excited about my own beliefs. Like, right. it, 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 strangely, it's like I always say, like taking your ideas to the gym. Take them to the gym, work them out a little bit. They're gonna get stronger, um, yeah. it, and you'll feel like a better representative for hunting. And it's a good thing that you take ownership over hunting and its community and the way it looks. That's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it
1: is. Yeah, don't let that spin you down this road where you become a critic of everyone else because you have ownership of what hunting is. That's the wrong way to take Mm -hmm. it. The right way to take it is go talk to those people. Let them make you better. Throw out the stuff you you just can't get with. Take in the stuff that that will take in the challenges that that make you better at what you do and then move on and go.
0: I appreciate that attitude, man. And, you know, I'll point out one other thing. They all buy licenses, they all buy tags, they're all buying into this system of conservation that works for wildlife. So whether you like how they do it, as long as they're doing it legally, they're they're part of a system that works.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's something I still wrestle with and I'll probably wrestle with it forever. Uh, it's this idea of looking at and and judging people's personal motivations for hunting. Mm-hmm. There is a, I mean, hunting is a patchwork quilt of perspectives and traditions and and regional and state and local. Yeah, it's a yeah. complicated,
0: heavy thing, and people are gonna have lots of different reasons and ideas around it.
1: Yeah, so, so as soon as you started to, like thinking that judging the way someone sees it is in a negative fashion is gonna have any good. Yeah, you know, for you personally, or for them, or for anyone around you, it's just not going to happen. Because if you look at it, it's so diverse in the in the in where people come from and how they came to it and where they're headed. It's so incredibly diverse. You're never gonna. It's not a monolith. You're never gonna find total agreement on any one subject in any part of it. Um, yeah, you can't can't let that get you down. You can't let that make you a fault finding person. You have to. Can't let the idea of fair chase become a negative thing. Fair chase isn't about you, it's about the animal um right. it, it, so there there's so so many things that I've had to navigate as a as a professional in the industry and just a person doing this uh I got in the industry when I was twenty two so I've grown up in this um and boy, I've taken some lumps on the head growing up and and i've 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 had some difficult moments where I've had to change my approach. And I'm sure that'll happen again tomorrow, probably. Um, but I like those things have helped me find that perspective and feel comfortable with, with how how to go forward.
0: You know, one thing I wanted to touch on with you, and I, we've already gone quite a long time here, but uh, is is the whole trophy hunting thing? It's that's something I've been given a lot of thought to lately. Because I'll be honest, I my wife and my little boy, uh, my little boy turned ten. My wife killed her last first year last year, and it was definitely an emotional journey for her but she's decided to stick with it. So now I've both put them both in for cow elk. Hmm. That frees me up um, to start looking at older age class, class male animals, which is something I've never done. I've never hunted like that, but I want to. Um, you know, I, I want to find a mature elk. I want to find a mature mule deer, and I want to find a mature coos deer. Those are my goals moving forward these next few years. And there, there's a lot of good arguments based around wildlife management for taking older age class animals out. Um, And there's good arguments for how it's affected wildlife populations uh, in our country. Some say potentially save them. So I realize that trophy hunting, at least in in my world, is not a a bad word. Now, there are egregious uh, trophy hunting instances that are really ugly. You know, uh, rich folks in Africa, not that they all do it bad, but some do. So there's that. But I've been thinking a lot about it, and one thing that has struck me is as far as feelings, when when I go to bed at night before an elk hunt, I'm not thinking about a spike bull. You know, I'm dreaming about a big, giant, mature male. Why do I do that? I have no idea. I think it's something in our genetics. I feel like Native Americans were that way. When a bird watcher goes down to southeast Missouri, and they want to see their first elegant trogan, they're not daydreaming about a drab female or immature male. They want to see a full, lit up, mature male. You know, so it's it's not just a hunter thing; it's a human thing, and I'm yeah. not sure where it comes from. But uh,
1: yeah, I think it comes from a lot of places. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong that you know I've read a lot of accounts of Native Americans, um, and and not even in, in European cultures and Scandinavian cultures where the hunter was thought to have all this immense knowledge about wildlife. This, this they were the selector of what. What needed to go, and what needed to stay, uh, in small tribal communities like they—they they were essentially uh, the wildlife biologist without even knowing what that was. So I think there is something that knowledge, like that, like that knowledge of a hunter, to know that you are the one with the responsibility to have the knowledge of what allows these populations to sustain that sustain us. Um, is very deep within your psyche it it is fully um the other thing i'll say like in a more modern sense is well there's two things the first i'll say is like hunting has levels um you gotta let people be at the level they're on your first level people have put this in like the trophy stage the the giving back stage people have done this like in a s in a psychological sense and give it given this like real stages, but I just look at it like. Imagine there's a pyramid. The bottom of the pyramid is new hunters. There's going to be a, a wide swath of people that are brand new to it and don't really have um, the same expectations or they haven't seen it as a craft yet. They haven't seen it as a set of skills they have to acquire and get better at. They haven't seen it as a like, uh, for, uh, like the ultimate first-player game in the natural world. They don't know that yet. They have yet to learn it. There's a level above them that's smaller where they may have learned it or they're learning it, a level above that where it's even smaller, and you get to the tip of the pyramid and you have folks that are playing a different game. They, are, they have a different set of expectations. They have a different set of skills. They are doing it differently, tip of the spear individuals. Um, and, and one mm-hmm. of the things that, that I try to do is let people be where they are. Just let them be where they are. Um, that's incredibly important. Don't try to bring them to your level. Don't try to go down to their level. You be where you are. Let them be where they are. Um, that's incredibly important. Uh, and knowing that there's a process to that, um, and people have to be there. So that's that's the first one. Let people be at their level, man. Just, just don't, don't go down to their level and say, man, I don't understand why you don't just want a mature buck. You just want just just killing something is enough. If you're at level one, shit. If you're mm-hmm. le- at level ten, the level one expectation it feels boring to you. Not compelling mm-hmm. at all. So there's that. But the second one is the idea of trophy hunting. You know, just as it's as it's been used in in popular culture and the lexicon of you know words and used to describe what we do. Mm-hmm. It's it sucks, man. It's the worst. Just think if you change it to mature hunting. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, I've, I just came up with that. I don't know if we write that down. <laughs> that could be terrible.
0: When when I say older age class animal or mature, you know, it's I I, I am kind of saying trophy not that i'm looking for a giant trophy that's not my not my thing but yeah that skull is going to go my wall that's for sure um and you can you can you know say that's for whatever reason you want to but uh yeah i don't know man the word uh, itself it does carry negative connotations whether we like it or not and that's back to that whole slippery slope thing it's like do you cut it out we took it off we have the oldest state level record book in our country uh arizona records a big game it was Arizona Trophy Book. Uh, we dropped it, I think, just last year. You know, I'm sure people have lots of opinions on whether we should have or shouldn't have. But the fact is, you know, the, the trophy has a negative connotation. So yeah,
1: it's an interesting game we play all the time: Harvest, Kill, you know, things like that. We'd, we we tend to like yeah. to do play those semantic games right. to some effect. Sometimes it's pointless. Sometimes it does have some effect. I do think though, like if you go back to the levels, if you're really trying to suss it out in your own mind when I think of the negative connotation of trophy hunter, the thing that the popular culture likes to glom onto when it's convenient, it's somebody that skips those levels on purpose. That's Mm -hmm. what I think of. I think of somebody who who should be at level one, who's up there with me at level seven with a giant buck going, look at me. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm at level seven. I'm like, no, you're not. You're at level one. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're at level one. It's not about the the size of the animal. It's, it's a lot easier to skip those levels
0: these days, too, I think.
1: Right. You can pay somebody, and they'll skip them yeah. levels over for you, no problem. Right. Um. That's how I see it, though. You
0: know, I'm, I'm putting him in for tags, and I'm going to be taking him out. I didn't have that. I figured it out, you know, hard knock style, you know, with a BB gun chasing squirrels with nobody <laughs> having my back. But and I wonder sometimes if I'm robbing him of something by by giving him those opportunities. But hell, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I
1: think I worry about it too much, and I'm just gonna get out there and enjoy myself with my child. But yeah, if you if you give him the right if you give him the right perspective, he'll probably return yeah. to level one at some point. With the next thing he does, he'll be like, Well, oh, you know, my dad didn't teach me to quail hunt, but he taught me how to yeah. like how to value the journey um, and how to really understand why skipping the levels is to your detriment is to my detriment um, and so the trophy hunting to me is that it's someone who is artificially um, re- representing their skill their their def like their dedication all those things um, that's what trophy hunting is to me but it it completely changes if you say like trophy hunting take the word trophy off and just put the word mature on there and then then you become, to me, you become a top-level hunter. You become someone who has done it long enough that, like you're talking about, where you start to value different things from the experience and, and you start to be more immersed in what we talked about earlier and in, in being able to select the right animal at the right time and having thought about it as if you were plucking the right – you're right. a veteran gardener and you're plucking the right tomato off the – right off the bush at the right exact time and feeding it to your family at the exact time and understanding that that process. So in that way the same kind the same term can be used to exalt someone and and or or damn them. I don't know what to do with that. I don't have a solution for that. Um getting yeah, getting rid of the term I guess is one solution, but it's not going to get rid of the concept. The concept will remain.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um there's not always going to be hard and fast answers to this stuff. It's complicated, but you know, I, that is one thing that I did agree with Ronell on Matt and that was the whole kind of overzealous hunting, you know, not to say that these guys that are killing a lot of animals don't enjoy it. I'm sure they're enjoying hunting all the time. I would, but, uh, but with the, the end means of being social media, things like that. Now, now for me, social media, I, I have, tons of grip and grins, you know, but I also have tons of plated up food and processing and landscape. Um, but for, for me, Mm. social media has always been just about extending the experience, you know, Mm. it drawn out the fun. Now I get to share it with people. I get to keep talking about it. Uh, and it's fun, but, uh, well, it used to be before Instagram went to reels. Now it's kind of just my own personal picture books. Nobody sees anything, but, (laughs) um, but, uh, Yeah, I do struggle with that a little bit. But again, you know, not everybody's got the same motivations as me. And as long as they're doing it legally, you know, and ethically, then, you know, who am I to say, say, you know, what people should or shouldn't or how they should or shouldn't?
1: Yeah. I think that's the struggle of our time, man, as as I go through and think about issues and what people say to me about what I do, um, is people trying to figure out how to talk about things, you know, and, and who to listen to. So yeah. many voices out there. There's so many ways that you can express yourself about the things that you do in the hunting space. Um, there's so many people struggling with how to do it. I struggle with it personally. There's times, there was a time a couple of years ago where I unfollowed everybody and took Instagram off my phone and didn't look at it. I don't know how many long, it was like eight months probably. I just, I unfollowed everything. I just shut it off. I was kind of done with it. Fast forward 24 months or so, I love it. Like, I love it. I love I, – I think if you would have told me 15 years ago that there would be a platform where I could literally go hunt and share it with as with many people as I could yeah. and watch it grow and watch it impact people in a positive way and watch the conversa- important conversations happen in front of my eyes, and there would be no barrier to entry. I didn't have to convince an executive to, to – let me write in their magazine or, or have a show in their network. Uh-huh. I'd have been like, whoa, dude, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's do it. Uh, so now I struggle with social media because I think we're the generation that just has that on our shoulders. First generation to have it on our shoulders. I struggle with it, but now I'm in a really, really good place with it. I, I, I think I enjoy it personally and I can see why it's beneficial intellectually. Yeah. Do I think it's perfect? Hell no.
0: No. no um, there's,
1: there's a big dark side to it as well. But It sucks a lot of times, yeah. right? But um, that's my personal journey. I don't th- I'm not saying everybody has to think that, but that's what I think currently. I was in this room a couple hours ago with some people that were bitching about social media, and I said, look, man, I get it. I've been where you are, but here's where I'm at. And I think they were like, oh, that's a good point, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, it's so cool that I get to go hunt mountain lions film it, and just put it out there the next day, and and it's cool as shit. Yeah, man.
0: I, I get to share hunts with guys I, I met at Rendezvous three years ago, you know, and yeah. that's awesome. It's awesome. It's a great way to keep
1: up with folks. Yeah, so I, I, that's where I'm at. I hope people can get there, um, but I also understand that, man, sometimes, because it used to be a little bit more of a personal touch, of a community. You talk to people. You share your art. You share your opinions. Now it's just kind of like a virtual slot machine, like you just mm-hmm. you know f- yeah. pulling that lever and it spins and it shows you something. You pull it again, it spins and it shows you something. It definitely has changed in the way that it presents you things. Um, so that's unfortunate, but I don't yeah, really go on there and look at content to be honest. I go and post and, yeah. and then I go about my life, and um, so I don't really get into the slot machine world very much. Yeah,
0: honestly, man, it's not the same. All you get is you get a few of your friends' photos, and you get reels from people you've never seen before
1: yeah man you go in there like you see a guy oh there's a guy skiing that's great i never oh no and it hears you
0: too you know how many snowboarding videos i'm getting right now yeah that's true just because i went the other day and talked about it that's true i, I don't know maybe, maybe i sound a little crazy there but i'm starting to think that's a real thing <laughs> all right
1: Dude, i don't think you sound crazy i i think man i've been i was in, on facebook and myspace when you had to have a college email oh
0: yeah i remember my i remember myspace like that yeah
1: but it wasn't like that in the beginning and I think that turn that social media has taken oh, yeah. in twenty years, people are going to look at it as evil. The idea that when you first got there, it was about communicating with people, it was about this interaction, and it was is if you had if somebody followed you, right. Instagram at least in the beginning didn't manipulate it mm-hmm. as much. It served you the people that you wanted to see, and there was an honest interaction there. You said I like this, and you click the button, and then it would show you everything that that person. Yeah posted in in a fairly chronological order and then and then you could select whether you wanted the the algorithm to do some hierarchical work for you or you could just see it in chronological order you used to be able to do that over time they've said oh well there's all these people that want to see your stuff we're not going to give it to them you know what we're not going to give that your content to the people that say they want it you know what we're going to make you do is pay for them to see it uh, or we're not going to we're just going to shadow ban you we know that to be true now. After the Twitter files, we know that that's happened, um, and so I, I think we're going to look back on that turn of social media, right. where where it went from, yeah, some type of community that was trying to yeah be built on the idea of personal interactions. It turned, and then it turned into a, a casino of att- attention economy casino where you just they're just trying to get you to stay there as long as possible.
0: Well, maybe something new will, will spring up, uh, but yeah, I get really curmudgeon-y at that. It's like I already done this. I already got years of stuff there. I don't want to move. But yeah, maybe maybe something it'll spawn something better. Who knows?
1: Yeah, that's just our generation's thing, man. I I came up with a flip phone until I was in my twenties, and oh, they were great, man. The batteries lasted for days, oh, dude. I had a BlackBerry. You ever have a BlackBerry? That little rolly ball in the middle. That was no, dope. I never had a BlackBerry. Yeah. You felt like a real professional when you got a BlackBerry, dude. <laughs> it was real. Um, so that that I think that's just what we have to we've had to deal with, and and my kids will have to deal with a different version of it, but it we'll it will be baked into society and it just be a part of of how things go. Um, and it it wasn't like that for me, so it just it'll just be a different you know the, over the span of time a different experience for them. Yeah. Well, Ben, you're an
0: easy guy to talk to, man.
1: I appreciate this. <laughs> like I said, if you call me on the phone, I got to talk to you for an hour. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, well, my kids are going to be busting through the door any minute here now. Um, hey, do you ever hunt in Arizona?
1: Boy, I'm trying to think of, like, have I ever hunted in Arizona? I don't think I have, but I want to.
0: Dude, it is an amazing state. I you know. There's so much diversity and habitat here.
1: I know. I'm, and critters. I love hunting Coos deer. I love hunting javelina. I love hunting. I want to kill a Mern's quail. Like, I got a lot of things on my list. Well, hey, man, if you ever make it
0: down, uh, we, we will. Formally host you as the Arizona Wildlife Hell Federation yeah. on any one of those hunts you want. I know where to find critters.
1: Well, that's a, that's a, if that's a formal invitation, accept it. <laughs> ah, I'd love it, dude. We'd have a blast, I promise. Oh, man. I'm, I'm It's one of the states I haven't hunted. I've hunted quite a few places, and that's one I haven't. But certainly from living in Texas and going to Mexico quite a bit to hunt various things, it's, it's like in the wheelhouse of, of landscapes I want to explore.
0: Yep. Yeah, there's my kids in the background, man. They're they're not gonna accept me just not answering them. <laughs> ben, it was great talking to you, buddy.
1: <laughs> you too, man. You take care. Appreciate what you do, and very much.
0: Thank you so much for doing this, and can't wait to connect again. Are you going to rendezvous this year?
1: I'll be there. Yep.
0: Uh, I would like to say I'm going to. It's a maybe, but man, we bought a house, and it's just getting out and away. It's tough
1: now. I guess I should say i I should say it's a maybe for me, but I'm planning to go. Yeah. Well. I hope you make it. It's a hell of a good time, as you know. Always.
0: All right, buddy. Take care of yourself, and thanks again. All right, man. Thank you. All right. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. You know, a lot of opinions and ideas flowing around there. And, you know, if you don't share those opinions, that's okay. Uh, everybody is welcome to their own ideas. And, you know, at least I'm not over here claiming I'm right about everything either. So uh, if you have thoughts that you would like to share with me on this podcast, please reach out to me at podcast at azwildlife.org. I would love to hear them. Also, know that this show was made possible by the Arizona Wildlife Federation. The Arizona Wildlife Federation is a 100 years old this year. That is a 100 years of conservation in Arizona. I am deeply, deeply proud of that. If you would like to support the Arizona Wildlife Federation, you can do so by checking out our website down below and and find links and and ways that you can be a supporter of conservation work here in Arizona. So with that, thank you for listening. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you, and I will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks.